podcast. Pull up a bar stool and join us for a random conversation, guaranteed to make you think or your money back. Hello, welcome to episode 292 of the Chris and Sam podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Sam. Welcome along to your randomness, technology and life fix this week. We are recording early in the morning and Chris needs a shave and this is his reminder to tell him. You're supposed to remind me after because I forget. I'll drive off to this event and I'll be like, oh shit, I forgot to shave. No, that's right. Uh, what's been happening? How was your weekend? We know that last week you said you were going to the Professional Speakers Association uh, yearly event, I think. Yep, the, yep, of New Zealand's annual event. And we had speakers from around the world zooming in and bits and pieces. And I was the third speaker up. The first one was amazing. The second one was amazing. And then there was me. I was intimidated as hell. Hell, and a bunch of these speakers in the room were, you know, big name speakers who earned loads of money. And here I am going, let me tell you how to do this thing. <laughs> That's right. So, oh, actually, I had a question I just thought about. Do you know if many of them had been coached in speaking or they sort of just refined it over the years? Um, don't know. I, I don't know for sure, but from the conversations I've had with random ones, uh, a lot of them came through Toastmasters and bits and pieces like that. So yeah. they yeah. all had some, some sort of thing there. Excellent. And your takeaways from this event? I have a lot to do. I'm going to get my speaking business going. Well, it's not really a speaking business. It's much more a coaching and training business. But it falls into the same thing. I didn't even realize that, so... Yeah, yeah, very cool. I've seen a little few bits and pieces from this event. Uh, very, very cool. Um, yeah, real interesting what people are doing out there. It's just sort of mind-blowing in some respects. Yeah, yeah. Some people are really making making hay out of this, and I'm like, damn. Um, yeah. i got to pull my crap together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I went to Armageddon uh, in Tauranga on the weekend, which was, uh, it was okay. It wasn't as good as the Auckland one, of course. It was a stripped down affair, but I'd never been to that one before, so I can't compare it to previous years when there was no COVID happening. Yeah, that, that's a big deal because let's face it, the Auckland one, even, uh, there's a good percentage of the people that have stalls in Auckland come from outside of New Zealand. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, there is quite a few. So, um, yeah, so you won't have that travel. No. So uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, so I caught up with the uh, game creators of To Marry For Love. Uh, it's a card game. And uh, I literally saw their banner. They were about to pack up. I thought it was some sort of old person dating thing that Chris could be keen on. But anyway, uh, here's the interview from that. I'll just insert it right here. Hey, guys. Sam here from the Chris and Sam podcast. Here I am at Armageddon Tauranga. And I'm here with Catherine from Holt Publishing. Hope yes. I got that right. And they've got a game on Kickstarter that I want to talk about and find out more and uh, here we go. Now the game is called... It's called To Marry For Love and it's for uh, one to six players and it plays in about 15 minutes so it's a very light party game. A light party game is what we like. Now the sign got me to come over here because To Marry For Love I thought it was some sort of uh, old person dating thing that Chris may be interested in but I turn out it's actually a game. What's the closest game that it would be compared to? That people already know. Oh, let's see. Uh, possibly. What's the... Before I Kill You, Mr. Spy, I believe, is probably the closest. So if you're familiar with that game, this game will be very close to the heart with that. 
uh, one to six players, which is great. You guys are on Kickstarter, which obviously listeners of our podcast know we like a good Kickstarter story. Um, how long is it on Kickstarter for, and how much are you hoping to raise? So it'll be on Kickstarter until the 27th of August, and we're hoping to raise about $6,000. So we've already got a printer lined up, manufacturer in Italy, and we're just looking to supplement the printing costs. That's awesome. Now I hear it's a whole family uh, ordeal coming up with this game, with a whole bunch of different people involved in it, which I think is an epic thing. Uh, Have you made games before? Yep, we've been making quite a few games. None that we've published yet. This is our um, first go at publishing a game. So we've got um, part of the family own a game shop, and they sell games. And they've been play- we've been playing games as a family. It's one of the major things that we do. And so we decided we have games that we would love to play. And so let's design them. Let's get them made, and let's share them with the world. That is awesome. We love that. We love when people get out there, create things, make things for other people, and uh, get things to market. So I'm looking forward to seeing this out in the public. I hope your Kickstarter goes really well. When this episode comes out, there's still going to be time, guys, so head over to Kickstarter. We'll have all the notes on our show notes on the podcast uh, website. And uh, thank you so much to Marry for Love, the game that you want. It's 15 minutes, one to six players. 14 plus is the recommended age group and it's going to be great. Thank you very much. No worries. Uh, So check out the link. Uh, We will have that. And obviously, they want to raise about $6,000. They've got about 10% of that at the moment. Go check it out if you're after a new game to uh, play. It's a card game. It looks pretty good. Sounds like a party game, right? Yeah. So the overview is... Obviously, I closed that. (laughs) I just just had it. Uh, A light card game of cutthroat romance in the late 18th century is what it's about. There's a game overview in the Kickstarter, and they're having a tournament coming up in uh, near the end of August, Chris. You can turn up, play this game, beat some people, and the winners get the game. Oh, because the people that uh, make this game are based right here in Hamilton at uh, the game shop in town. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know where it is. It's on the corner of Garden Place um, and Caro Street. That's so, right. So yeah. uh, while there, I bumped into our patron, one of our patrons, uh, Adam. So, oh, did you? Oh, yeah, that's right. You did say Big shout out to Adam. It was great seeing you. If I had more time and I wasn't in a hurry to make sure I didn't miss my ride, I might have interviewed you. Uh, if you want to be a Patreon, check out com. And Adam, what you talked to me about, I've spoken to Chris about, and uh, we are trying to possibly yeah. organize something. Well, let's say... say Are you going to commit to this like now? Okay, our 300th episode, we're looking at doing live. So I am in the hunt for a venue. I had a venue that would be perfect, but that bar closed down. So uh, I haven't looked yet, but we're going to find a venue and we're going to do something live. So if you're in and around Hamilton, if you're interested in coming to Hamilton, uh, we will let you know the details of when we're going to have that event. It'll the be live uh, cast. If you um, have listened to any of our previous uh, party ones, it's going to be well more than a half hour, and it's probably not going to be great. Right? <laughs> way to way to oversell it. Uh, it'll be uh, in the second half of September. Yes. All right. So uh, moving on. So have you heard about the Mars rock that came down? Oh, I forgot where it came down. Came down in, New- in in the world somewhere, so it's a meteorite. They found it, it, and they found it, and they realised it's from Mars because it's got the atmosphere in it, and they can do that with a spectrograph. Okay, you know where that's going next? Oh, I don't know. It's going back to Mars. They're sending it back to Mars. 
Just because they can? No. Oh. Uh, so the, there's a probe that's being sent over, and to make sure that the probe's functioning right, they're putting this bit of rock in the probe so it can calibrate what it's seeing on the, sensing on the outside to what it's sensing on the inside to make sure the sensors are oh, accurate. crappy from the landing or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, which makes, makes a lot of sense, but it's like, uh, yeah, this uh, bit of meteorite's been around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, hopefully it gets back there okay. We'll see. We'll see. Good luck, little buddy. <laughs> you know it's going to have a stupid name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you heard about all this Siberian heatwave stuff? No, you can't say I'm up with the Siberian uh, weather had forecast. they wildfires in Siberia. But Hundreds of them. Do you know how hot it is above the Arctic... Circle a couple of weeks ago? How? Have a guess. In uh, Celsius. Oh, in Celsius. Like 24. 38 degrees Celsius. That's pretty warm. It's never been that hot above the Arctic Circle before. Whoa. Yeah. And so um, all the peat, the peaty ground, yes. is burning, ah. releasing ridiculous amounts of carbon into the atmosphere. Woo! Yep. That's what we need. <laughs> that's what we need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we don't hear a lot of that because we're on the other side of the planet. But, um, yeah. Actually, talking about that, let's see if I can find this random thing. I don't know if I saved it or not. There is 14 years after receiving the official go-ahead, scientists are beginning to assemble a machine in southern France on Tuesday that will seek to prove whether nuclear fusion, the process which powers the sun, can be a safe and viable energy source for Earth. That doesn't sound like it's going to end terribly. But apparently they've got this ring thing or whatever, however it works, and they are putting it into place. They're building the machine, and the initial experiments are going to begin in December 2025. On on French soil and not on a Pacific island that they own. Yeah, as far as I know, it's going to be that. And um, if, if, yeah, if they can do this, then that means they can pull... Uh, they can make oil and everything from the atmosphere. Like It's the same process. They'd be able to pull all the resources out of just the atmosphere. It's all, all sorts of craziness. What? Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. Now you got my attention. So they can use the carbon and hydrocarbon in the air and use this process to make that into what they want it to be. Yeah. This mm. is so, they, so they can do it in a lab scale, but it's really energy intensive. So if this thing comes to fruition and they can get the energy side sorted um that means basically uh, this person we're here one says, step closer to my replicator so i don't have to use a microwave that's what we're saying yeah yeah <laughs> so it says imagine a world where we could pull everything out of the atmosphere over the last 200 years that we've dumped into it mm. but well, you is- know the problem with that is if we did mm. we'd we'd use it all up in about seven weeks and then <laughs> well no only the rich, some rich person would Want to be the next billionaire? This is how. Okay. Be, be trillionaire by then. Oh, yeah. Well, true, true. Bezos will be um, there. All right. So <laughs> I've got an interesting story. This is a feel-good story. Yeah. Or not. Okay. Solar power has increased agricultural productivity in Afghanistan. Woohoo! So all the farmers there have put solar panels up and yeah. the productivity is going through the roof. Okay. The only problem with that is their crops are opium. And, oh, um, good stuff. The, Yes. The cost of heroin has just crashed, and it's getting everywhere. And Afghanistan have their own heroin issues now. But 
Improved solar power works for agriculture. I mean, on one hand, that's very good with the solar panel <laughs> side of things. On the other, I don't know about the crop. Um, well, they interviewed one farmer in this thing I was listening to, and he's like, um, basically, oh, oh, bumper opium crop. I've got time now to grow a tomato crop in the season. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so his family's all right. Well, that's good. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was random. There's a New Zealand software startup called Narrative that I learned about this week. It was behind the New Zealand Herald paywall, and somehow I can read their articles. I don't really know how I've worked that out. Anyway, um, so I probably won't link to it because you might not be able to read it. But this guy called James Broadbent uh, in 2017, he was frustrated because he's a wedding photographer and every single day he'd go and shoot a wedding. So they're very intensive. They'll take thousands and thousands of photos. And then after that, he would spend about four days culling out the crap photos. Right. Because you can't you can't restage a wedding. Like, they have to take thousands of photos nonstop. Um, in case. Just in case. But there's, like, you know, 90% of them are terrible. Whatever. Uh, so he said there's got to be a better way of doing it, and he couldn't find a tool. So he built it. And narrative uses artificial intelligence and it goes through and they now claim 98% accuracy. It gets rid of photos where people with their eyes closed, blurry ones, and it just culls them out, gets rid of them. And, it and then speeds you go up. through the rest um, and you're not looking as as, as many and go, yeah, that pose isn't good, which maybe the AI didn't pick up but you go yeah that doesn't look right and then you can yeah yeah, yeah. so they got seven hundred thousand dollars yes uh, last year there's only two people working there Whoa. they just closed their another round uh by peter teal's uh whatever fun, fun yeah. thing four million they got um he's got 15 staff now and they've got software engineers from google and uber there the beta that's applause from chris i think that's awesome uh so he said 10,000 people are trialing in a beta. They're going to hire another 17 employees with the 4 million. And um, there was a whole talk about how you're doing it in New Zealand. What's the deal with that? Because the engineers, and he said, well, we're getting like expat Kiwis to come back home. Yeah. And there's a big thing online. I don't know if you've seen this. A few people were saying, now is the time to set up the New Zealand equivalent of Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yeah. Yeah. And you know who said that? Oh. Paul Spain. Yes. He did the article in The Stuff, I think, or Herald, one or the other. Yeah. That picture of him on the stage, is that the thing you coached him for? I That's the the event he was at. So I think that's he got that photo from that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw the <laughs> yeah. photo and I was like, that looks like that fancy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought um, as well. That's cool. Cool, cool. Um, I want to, I'm going to say something about, uh, something. I'm going to bring it back down. That's COVID. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, so... They did some studies in um, some university in the States and they found that they wanted to see what the inequalities of care were in the States for people with COVID. Okay. And yeah. There has to be a massive. A massive. So if you are in a public uh, hospital, uh, they had three times more fatalities. Yes, pretty much. And but they broke it down into a whole bunch of things, and one of them was the staffing. They just don't have as many staff, right? And no. so okay. um, they had this. They had a, a problem where people would be put into induced comas or they'd go into coma, right? And they'd wake up and they want to go to, for, a, for to the toilet, and uh, they they're sort of connected. 
yeah. with things. So in a in a wealthy hospital, the standard of care is four patients per nurse. So the nurse can just keep yes, checking on that makes four, sense. four patients. Uh, and these other ones, it was eight to ten. Um, and so these people would go, oh, I need to go to Lou, they wake up, and they'd rip all their life support out, oh. and they would find them um, collapsed by the bathroom, usually dead. Um, and they'd try and revive them. And they started, it was so frequent, they started calling them bathroom codes. Whoa. Um, so here's a tip, and if you have presence of mind, which is probably not a thing, but if you ever wake up from a coma and you really need to go for a piss, just do it in the bed. Um, just don't pull things out of you because it's not a good thing. Um, but, yeah, no, it's terrible. At the same time, they had this uh, hospital they set up, um, St. Jude's, I think, or something like that, and they got, this is in New York, and they got all these doctors from around the country in, and they paid them really well, yeah, $600 an hour. Nice. Um, and they, this was the overflow. But the administrators basically screwed the pooch on it, right? Yeah. So they said, well, you can't go into this hospital uh, if you've got a fever. Ambulances can't take people only to this hospital. They have to be transferred. And they had, um, if you're not serious enough, you can't go into this hospital. So basically, these guys were there for a couple of months and had 50 patients in a 200-bed hospital for the whole period. Wow. One nurse was saying, I felt guilty. I was sitting there getting paid $2,000 a week, and all I did was play on Facebook the whole time. And these volunteered to help and come to New York to help, and the system just screwed it up. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. America, third world country with first world trappings. That's right. Oh, just <laughs> talking about the COVID thing, and uh, they had a, uh image scanner camera thing when you walked into Armageddon, and it was doing um, body heat. I uh, just thought about it, and it tracked, it, it zoomed it on your head, and I think it was picking out people that may have had a fever. I don't know. There was no sign explaining it. No one was watching it either, so I don't 100% know. Yeah, but, but see, that bugs me because asymptomatic do not have a fever. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I, think it's, it's, I think it was just something that somehow someone's gone, hey, got this thing. Uh, let's put it, it up because yeah. maybe I don't know. Hey, Game Center is the name of the company in Hamilton. That Game is the, Center. Game okay. Center. Okay. Don't get confused. Don't go anywhere else. Just go to Game Center. Right. Game Center. Uh, dot info is their website. Okay. Cool. Uh, and the other thing I had actually was got two things there. I do. Uh, Watchmen leads the Emmy nominations this year, Chris. I got twenty six nominations. The season we watched, eh? Yes, that's the season we watch. That seems so long ago. It does seem long ago. <laughs> uh, they, and I'm like, surely there's another season Cause they, now. No, they can season two. They said we're not going to do season two. Right, yeah. But 26 Emmy nominations. 26? Yeah, it's leading it, 26. Holy because- crap. Yeah, well, you absolutely don't want to put a crap show like that back on. <coughs> what? No, I know. We'll see. Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel scored 20 nominations. have no idea what that's about. I was just going to say, I've never heard Ozark of Ozark and Succession have 18 each. Mm, okay. uh, and basically, Netflix has the most, and they beat out HBO because HBO, um, you know, they were writing Game of Thrones for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that ended, so uh, their reign ended. Hey, this morning there was a problem announced by KiwiBank. 4,200 KiwiBank customers were affected by a privacy breach. Oh, 
So yeah, that's you and I, isn't it? Well, I, I don't think it's been me. <laughs> no, I mean we were on Kevin. Oh, no, we'll get a letter if we were one of the people. Uh, so this seems a bit strange. They sent out everybody's monthly tra- uh, transaction thing. And uh, it's got your name and everything on it, but it's got somebody else's banking details on it. Well, yeah. Somebody should be getting the sack. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's well, not good. The data guy. The data guy, yeah. Some dude in the back office hidden in a wardrobe somewhere. Um, no, that, that sucks, but that's, that's not that bad. I don't think that's that bad. All right. Um, it could be. I think it. I, th- I, I, I have to go and have a shave. And uh, then I've got a uh, an event, a training uh, a little gig I've got to do, um, and um, and then I can get on with my Thursday that we're recording this. Excellent, amazing. So we'll cut this short. <laughs> he took the hint, folks. He took the hint. Yes, yeah, if yes. If you do know of a venue that might be uh, compatible, we for need our to host between thing. two. That's us <laughs> and ten. <laughs> I was going to say 20. I'm optimistic. <laughs> we might have randos come and go, what the yeah, hell's we'll, going we'll, on? We'll invite some, some, what do they call them? Friends. Well, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Facebook friends. I'm sure they'll make an appearance. But uh, no, we'll let you know when uh, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you do know of a venue, seriously, let us know at the Christmas Hand Podcast. All we need is a power plug, really. <laughs> we, it's the only technical specification. And alcohol. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that can help. It can um, help. But we're okay if it's BYO or um, all we have to buy it there. It's, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, know. true. Uh, so until next time, I'm Sam. I'm Chris. See ya. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to subscribe and we'll catch you next week. Don't forget to tell your friends.